Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Go For It. I am your host, Paul Gannon, for the next 90 minutes. We're going to be talking sports and having fun doing that with all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you will get a heavy dose of my opinion. You have an opinion number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. Also, you can hit us up on Twitter at Go For It Gant. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by Broncos Corner. Chris Harrison, the Broncos are 4-0. That defense is playing big-time football. Chris Harris is playing some big football. And we're going to talk to Chris, uh, the Vikings, uh, not the Vikings, the Broncos have a big game coming up against the Raiders. They can go 5-0. and And the Raiders are playing some decent football coming off a tough loss to the Chicago Bears, but they're 2-2. Two and two. But we're going to talk to Chris Harris about his season. You know, his that secondary in Denver is playing some big-time football. Aqib Tlaib. Uh, Harris, T.J. Ward, those boys are getting after it. And, you know, that front four sacking quarterbacks, and they're playing some decent football. They need their quarterback, Peyton Manning, to step up a little bit. But right now that defense is playing well. Also, Jets wide receiver Jeremy Curley will be joining us. The Jets, 3-1, after they dominated the uh, Miami Dolphins in London, overseas. They did big things in that particular game. We're going to talk to Curley about that. Also, Hall of Famer Willie Rofe will be joining us. We're going to talk some football with Willie Rofe, get his thoughts on Greg, Greg Hardy and his comments and, and, you know, him talking and chirping. Greg, be quiet. But we're going to talk to Willie about uh, that. Also, his Saints go up against the Eagles. We're going to ask Willie if his Saints are, are done. Can we can we put a stick of, uh, a stick of fork in the Saints? Are they done? Also, the Dolphins situation, Joe Philbin out, Dan Campbell in. That was quick. That was fast. But we're going to talk to Willie about that as well. So Chris Harris will be joining us in about eight minutes. Willie Rofe at 7.30. And also 8.05, Jeremy Curley will be joining us. So we're going to be talking sports, having some fun, doing it. And, and this is a great time of the year right now. You know, you got the baseball playoffs going on. That's hot and heavy. Big time baseball going on. You got the NFL in full swing, college football in full swing. NHL season started. That, that that started a couple of days ago, and you got the NBA. That's going to be started at the end of the month. So there's this is a great time, a great time of the year, great time of the year. We got a, a bunch of sports in full swing, and before you know it, college basketball will be around. And so it, it's a great time. But let, you know, we got this baseball going on right now, and you know, big game today. Uh, you got the Texas Rangers now up two zero against the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, and that's huge. Obviously, you're up 2-0. Now you go back to Texas. You got two games to get one. Two to get one, and that's a good situation if you're the Texas Rangers. You know, obviously, game one, you beat David Price, which is huge. I mean, that, that, that's huge. That's big time. And, and David Price, for whatever reason, can't get it done in the postseason. What, six straight defeats in the postseason? That's not good. He can't get it done. But anyway, you know, they, they got the victory against David Price. They brought out Cole Hamels today. He gave him seven innings, 
four earned, four runs, but only two were the, two of them were earned, and so Hamels gave him a decent outing, and the Rangers get it done in 14. So this was a you know a little long, a little longer they won it, but it, it it was 14 innings and it was a good good baseball game out there. And Toronto, the Blue Jays are in trouble. Obviously, they're in trouble, and that's going to be a tough situation moving forward. But they're done. They could be done. And I don't want to knock any, uh, say any team is done at this point because baseball is an interesting game. It's a funny game sometimes. It's a funny game. And so there's a lot of baseball to be played. But right now, Toronto's in a good situation, up two games. Not Toronto, Texas is up in a good situation, up two games to nothing. And they're going back to Texas, and hopefully for them maybe to put it away. But I think so far, and, you know, we got the play, we got – uh, the, the the Mets and the Dodgers going tonight, the Cubs and the Cardinals. But thus far, it's been about, I, I think, what we saw Wednesday night with Jake Arrieta. He continues this magical, historic, big-time performance season. I mean, this guy, a complete game shutout against Garrett Cole and the Pittsburgh Pirates. And the Pirates, three years in a wild-card game, three years and they're out, second-best record in baseball, 98 wins and you're out in one game. And I know a lot of people to talk is, well, you know, it's only one game. Shouldn't it be more than one game? I mean, it's only one game. You you play 162 games, and you only play in one game, and you're done. Baseball's a game, as they say, of series. You know, you don't see one game. You see a series of games, whether it's three games, whether it's four games, or sometimes two. One game. Now, the, the beauty of the one game is the finality of it all. That's the beauty of it. You win, you go on, you lose, you go home. So it's big. It's for all the marbles. Everything matters. Every pitch, every hit, everything matters. One game. One game. And the Pirates, just like when they had Bonds and Bonilla, you know, and, and Sid Bream and those boys. You know, uh, they had a hard time. They couldn't get out. They couldn't get past the Braves. And you even remember back in uh, 93 where, where the Giants and the Braves were battling to get to the playoffs. And that was before the wild card. And so they, I, I'm sure at the time the Giants had complaints, like, hey, we are, are one of the best teams in baseball. We're one of the best teams in baseball. The best teams. And we're on the outside looking in. The, and I believe they had a better record than the Phillies, who were in the East. I'm almost positive they did. I, I know they did, in fact. I don't know exactly what the record was, but I know it did. They had a better record than the Philadelphia Phillies. A better record. Giants actually, the Braves won 104 games that season. Giants won 103 games and, and went home. So if anybody has to complain about a playoff system, Mr. Giants, and that was the old playoff system, the playoff system we lived with for years, it's the Giants back in 93. And you, you, we can say, well, we need to change things and, and so on and so forth. I, I believe this. Here, here's what I believe. In, in, in terms of changing things, if you want to change things, maybe you go from one to three. Instead of a one game one game uh, game one game series, a three game thing, and it's not even serious. Instead of one game, three games. Instead of one three, 
And I know the argument, well, the, the division winner, they're waiting a bunch of, t- you know, some days. They're getting days off. Rust sets in. And then by the time they start their series, you know, they're, they're a rusty baseball team. And then they lose the advantage that they have. So, I don't know, maybe you can start the week, the, the season, maybe a week or two earlier. Uh, you know, maybe you can, uh, certain days off, you can, you can do something. You got to do something, I think. You got to do something. Um, don't get me wrong. I love the one game. And if they keep it this way, I'm cool. I, I'm okay with it. I, I, I'm okay with the one game. But I will say this. It, it kind of goes against what baseball is all about, the regular season. And obviously you, you value the regular season. And you value the regular season even more so now because it, there really was no advantage in the past to winning the division. It really wasn't that much of an advantage. Now it's a legitimate advantage. Because not only do you have to play that one, you've got to play that one game just to get into the ALDS or the NLDS, or the divisional round. You've got to play that one game. So to me, it is an advantage at this point. And that's a great thing. And baseball had to do something about that in order for it to become an advantage for the division teams. And, and I like it. I love it, actually. And again, if they kept it the same and keep it the same, I'm good, but I know, you know, and I've heard this argument, and I think it's legitimate. If you look at um, basketball, for example, you know, they went from a five-game series in the first round to seven games, which equals more games, which equals more money. You know, football, they've added uh, teams to the playoffs, more games, more money. Football, you got, a thir- you got Monday night, you got Sunday night, you got Thursday night. And you can argue, and, and the Thursday night product, I don't think it's as good as the Sunday product, but it is what it is. But it's still another night of football. So now in the NFL, you got Monday, Sunday, Monday, and Thursday. You got three out of the seven days where there's a, where there's football on, where there's NFL football on, and that's a good thing. That's not necessarily a bad thing, but I I, I do think you take a little step down in quality, for sure. And, I, I, I mean, I, I, a three-game series I think would be great. I, I think it would be great instead of one. I think it would be better than one. At the same time, I'm not mad at one. I, I'm not mad at one at all. One is fine. And, you know, it's still exciting baseball. It's still the finality of it all. And that's the beauty of March Madness, one and done. That's the beauty of, of the NFL playoffs, one and done. That one game, and anything can happen in that one game. The Pirates had a better regular season record than the Cubs, but at the end of the day, the Cubs had Jake Arrieta. The Cubs had a, a guy who was sub-1 ERA in the second half of the season. A guy who's only given up, what, four earned runs in the last 90-some-odd innings. A dominant pitcher at this point in time, and you can't beat that with a bat. <laughs> well, you can't even hit. You can't hit his ball with a bat, pretty much. And no one was hitting his ball, and no one has been hitting his ball throughout the course of the second half, throughout the course of this season. Twenty-two game winner, he's going to win this Cy Young Award, no doubt in my mind. We're going to bring in a guy now, switching gears, going back to the NFL. Uh, the Denver Broncos, four zero, uh, big time victory against the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, a victory that came down to the end. Their defense was on the field. Their defense made the play. Strip sack, T.J. Ward, Von Miller, 
recovers the football, and the Denver Broncos move on 4-0. Not getting big-time play for the offense, but they're still 4-0 and getting big-time play from their defense. Let's bring him in now, Broncos corner, Chris Harris. Chris, how are you, man? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. And, Chris, another big victory by you guys. You beat the Vikings 23-20, to hard-fought game, four close games for you guys, four wins. Talk about you guys winning those close games. What is it about you guys in these close games? Oh, man, it's just how it's been these first couple games. It's something I'm not used to. Uh, we usually put up a lot of points with Peyton in them, and, uh, but we've had a lot of defensive uh, battle games. and uh, That's how they've been the first four. And, and uh, I mean, well, we've shown that we're capable of winning those, these type games. For sure, for sure, and it's almost like the, it's almost like you guys are winning in different ways. I mean, over the past few seasons with Peyton Manning, it was all about the offense, and now it's the other way around. It's all about the defense. Oh and, yeah, and I mean, you look I at think we just, go ahead. Uh, we've just been able to come out and make a lot of plays, and uh, uh, we know Peyton. Uh, it's a new offense. Uh, yeah, I, we feel that they'll start gelling as soon as the run game gets uh, starts getting established better and. But until then, until as long as they uh, continue to struggle, we feel like uh, we'll be able to make a lot of plays on the defense side of the ball to be able to give them the ball back. And how good is your defense right now? I mean, you lead the league in sacks. Uh, you lead the league in yards per game. You lead the league in, in passing yards per game. So you're shutting teams down against the pass. You're, you're shutting them down overall, and you're getting after the quarterback. You guys are 4-0, man. Talk about the success of this defense and, and some of the reasons behind the success of this defense. Oh, yeah, I definitely believe we're the best defense in the league. I mean, when you look at okay. the edge rushers we have with uh, Von Miller and Marcus Ware, I mean, teams, they can't they can't block these guys. And then uh, we have great interior linemen with Malik Jackson. Derek, we finally get Derek Wolf back. Um, he's our one of our run stoppers at the deep tackle that we've been suspended. So we finally get him back coming this week. Uh, we're excited about. Um, we have fast linebackers with Trevathan and Marshall, and our secondary is definitely top. I mean, you got two uh, top uh, ten corners with me and Tlaib, and uh, great and TJ Ward. He's uh, he's playing a great SAP right now. So three Pro Bowls in the back, and I don't think a lot of teams have it. Best secondary in football, you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you see we're number one in, in uh, passing yardage. So, I mean, you just go by the numbers. Okay, okay. We're talking to Denver Broncos corner Chris Harrison. And, Chris, you know, speaking of you guys, you know, you got the lead to the boom in Seattle. You guys have a big-time secondary. Yeah. We need to come up with some kind of nickname. I mean, Bronco Busters, the Four Locks. I mean, you got a nickname for you guys? Yeah, I mean, my my nickname's always been, I've always had no flies on. That's been with me for about three or four years. And now the team, I mean, all the DBs, we've pretty much been going about a mile high, no fly. That's been pretty okay. much on that. Okay, okay. All right, all right. So we we got to get some shirts and all that, hats and all that good stuff. Oh, yeah, I got that already. You can just go to my website, Chris Harris. You okay. Got it all. Okay. okay, all right. So, so definitely, and, and and you know, we we talk about the secondary. You guys are making big plays to leave on one side, you on the other side, and you like you said, this is, you believe this is the best secondary in football. I mean, do you see all three of you guys possibly going to the Pro Bowl this year? Oh yeah, I mean, we all went last year, and we're all having that same type of year this year. Started off in uh, um, number one defense, so. Um, uh, us being in the back end, uh, we're able to uh, shut people down and um, force a lot of turnovers. So I definitely think we'll all go. 
And, Chris, I know you believe that you're a top-five corner in this league. Tell us why you're a top-five corner. I just It's my responsibility every week. I mean, I mean uh, me and Talib, we switch off on number ones and number twos, uh, being able to play right, slot, inside and out all game. and playing. Uh, nobody's playing as much man as, as I play in the NFL uh, in the slot with zero help. So uh, just having that responsibility and shutting people down, uh, that makes me a top-five corner. So let me ask you this now. You know, if, if I give you five corners, yourself, Patrick Peterson, Richard Sherman, Joe Hayden, and Darrell Rivas, where do you put yourself amongst those guys? Yeah. Oh, man, really, I would say um, uh, Rivas, man. I'm, I would say I'm. me and Rivas are similar corners um, compared to, like, Sherman. He's just a corner. He just plays mostly left, so. Uh, we we're different type of corners, and I would say the most corner I'm most most similar to is Revis. Okay, so, so in terms of ranking, would you put yourself up there with Revis? I mean, would it be yeah. Revis, uh, oh, yeah, Chris Harris, right. Hayden? Oh yeah, definitely. Okay, okay. So you, oh, yeah, when we talk I'm about the Real Revis, we can talk about Chris Harris in the same breath. Oh yeah, definitely. From I mean, from what I've done, uh, I mean, this and I haven't just done it for one year. Being I've been raising top. Uh, Stands, uh for at least four years now, so being able to be that. Only thing that Revis and Sherman have is they have that ring, and that's something that I'm chasing. Uh, me and Talib are definitely uh, something that we want bad, and uh, that's what you got to have. You got to have that Super Bowl. We're talking to Broncos corner Chris Harrison. Chris, let's go back to the Viking game now, and and you know ultimately T.J. Ward he made that big play against Bridgewater, got the strip sack. Ultimately, you guys got the victory. You guys were on the field, and you had to get it done. In order for you guys to win, you had yeah. to get it done on the defensive side of the field. Talk about that. Talk about the mindset of the defense when you're going out there knowing that if you get the stop, you get the victory. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've been in this situation already a lot this year. And, uh, right. And so we're something we're used to, something we know that we're capable of doing. And, uh, uh, Coach Wade, he, he stays aggressive the whole game. He relies on uh, us in the back end to not give up big plays. and and shut our man down. So that's what we did. We brought the heat and uh, played, played man and uh, was able to uh, get a sack. TJ forced the fumble, and uh, Bomb is right there. So, uh, I mean, sometimes you just got to keep that same pressure that you play the whole game, and, uh, and that's what we expect with Coach Wade. And any time you play the Vikings, obviously it's all about Adrian Peterson. Other than that big run, you guys oh, yeah. pretty much did a great job against Adrian Peterson. Talk about the job you guys did against Adrian Peterson. Oh, man, I thought our, our defensive line and linebackers did a great job of just keeping them uh, packed in, man, not letting them bounce out. And uh, I had to hit them one time on a toss they gave me, and I definitely felt that one, being able to have that, <laughs> me having to come up and hit them. But uh, I think we, as a whole, we we did a great job on them. He busted open on one of them. Yeah. Is, I mean, it's hard to keep a great player down. He, he was able to hit the hole hard and be able to uh, score. And uh, other than that, man, I think we did a pretty good job on them. We're talking to Broncos corner Chris Harrison. Chris, you're a father now, and, and your lovely wife Leah believes that that's one of the reasons behind your success, you being a dad at this point. You agree with that? Oh, yeah, definitely, man. It definitely adds, gave me a lot more motivation and um, makes you, you just keeps you even more focused. And I definitely attribute to having her. Uh, just adds, makes my focus even better. And, and you know, you always got to have something you want to play for. So she's definitely something I go out there and play for. What's the best thing about being a dad for you? Uh, just coming home, just being able to spend time with her. Uh, now i got a little basketball goal, so she tries to dunk the goal. And <laughs> just doing things like that is just fun. For sure. you got a WNBA player in the future? 
Hey, she could be, man. Uh, I know that uh, my wife wants to keep her very active, so I know she'll be uh, doing tennis or basketball, doing something. Man, you keep playing the way you're playing. You're going to probably have a bunch of kids, five, ten kids, if you keep playing this good. I mean, if you, uh-huh. you, you have a kid, you, you continue playing good big-time football. What, ten kids for Chris Harris? Ten kids, ten years? Nah, man, man. <laughs> nah, I can't handle that one. Man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Chris, now you know you guys, now you travel to Oakland, you play the Raiders. The Raiders, they're a better football team, yeah. two and two. Like I said, an improved football team. What do you guys need to do to keep on winning? Uh, I mean, this, especially this game, I mean, Mari Cooper and Crabtree, I mean, they're, they're definitely a great um, du- uh, duo together. Uh, I think Amari Cooper, man, he's definitely uh, light years ahead of, of his time being a rookie man, uh, just watching him on film and studying him. Uh, I mean, yeah. He's a uh, talented receiver, and uh, so um, we, me and Talib, got to definitely shut them down and uh, not um, let them get any um, uh, hot streaks. And, and you talked about Amari Cooper. Obviously, you're you're probably going to see some time on Amari Cooper. Yeah. Are you looking forward to this challenge? And, and is it like you know? All, obviously, you you play a big time receiver. You want to you're up for the challenge. Yeah. You want to show out. You want to show the world what you can do. But are you looking forward to this matchup against Amari Cooper? Oh, yeah. I mean, I see him as like a Pro Bowl receiver. I mean, he's definitely a guy that, that will be, uh, that, has that, um, that has that kind of talent on the field. And uh, So, I mean, when you play against these type of guys, you always get up for him. Who's the toughest guy for you to guard? Who's the, who's the toughest receiver for you to guard? Uh, I would say um, uh, in the past, Antonio Brown, he's been a guy. They move him around a lot. So, he always kept me in motion. And guys, that, uh, guys like those guys, I mean, um, they're very tough to guard. Okay, okay. We're talking to Broncos corner Chris Harrison. A lot of teams. A lot of teams go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, go ahead. Playing the slot, man. They keep me in motion, man. Okay. And, and Chris, you know, you guys, when it comes to the AFC West, you're doing big things on the road. You got a 13 game road winning streak. You've been here, I believe, for all those 13 games and. Obviously, much success on the road against the AFC West. Why is that? Um, we just uh, we see these as championship games. Anytime we play a, a division game, these are we these are championship games, and this is, that's how we look at it. We look at it as championship week, and uh, uh, that we're going to go get a trophy. For sure, for sure. We're talking to Broncos corner Chris Harrison. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this now, and obviously, we got a lot of football to be played, but. You know, there's a belief out there. Some people believe that the Patriots could actually go undefeated again, 16 and 0. Right now, you guys are 4 and 0, big time defense. You're waiting for that offense to come around a little bit. But you, you have Peyton Manning; he's still big time, even at the age of 39. But is it possible that the Denver Broncos could possibly go 16 and 0? Is it possible? Ah oh, man, I'm a, I mean that's very tough to do. Uh, the offense, once the offense starts clicking and. And we continue to play at a high level, man. It's gonna be tough. It's gonna be uh, very tough for teams to come and beat us. For sure, for sure. And Chris, you know, we've been talking about a lot of, a lot of great things. I mean, you guys are four zero. Your defense is playing some big time football. But I, I want to change the subject here, and I know this might get a little sad for you. But the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, I know you're a big time Lakers fan, and yeah. I'm not expecting much from the Los Angeles Lakers this year. Are you expecting much? No, I'm not. I'm really. I mean, it's, it's sad to say, um, 
I watched the first preseason game, and uh, hopefully Kobe, uh, I mean, it's just preseason, so it's hard to judge him off that, but I don't see us making the playoffs. Just the West is just so deep, but I think the next year um, we'll have we'll be able to get some more key free agents, and I think next year will be the year to make the playoffs. Is this Kobe's last year, you think? I hope not, man. Uh, I can see Kobe <laughs> playing with the Knicks next year. Um, Phil Jackson's okay. there. Derek Fisher's there. I see him playing with Melo. Uh, I, I mean, it's sad to say, I think this might be his last year with the Lakers. For sure. So you think he'll continue to play on, but not with the Lakers? Yeah, I think Yeah, I think, uh, I can see him playing with the Knicks. I see them getting like another free agent or something. Kobe go play with the Knicks with Melo. I can see that happen playing for Phil and uh, Derek Fisher. I can see that. That's the only that's the only other option I can see for Kobe. Okay, okay. So fans, make sure you go to this man's website, ChrisHarrisJr. dot com. Go to his website. Check out some of the great stuff going on there. He's got some foundation stuff. He's, he's selling some uh, merchandise as well on his website. So make sure you go to ChrisHarrisJr. dot com. Also, hit him up on his Twitter page at ChrisHarrisJr. And support all the great things going on with Pro Bowler Chris Harris. Chris, pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. Let's do it again. Oh, yeah, no problem, man. Thanks for having me. Chris Harris, corner for the Denver Broncos. Pleasure talking to him. And, you know, one thing you get when you talk to Chris Harris, you, you get a confident football player, you know, believing that he's up there with Darrell Reeves as one of the best corners in this league. You know, and he was an undrafted free agent, started from the bottom, and now he's here, one of those type stories. And, you know, he he's playing some big-time football. The Broncos' secondary is playing some big-time football. The Broncos' front, like I said, they're getting after the quarterback, and they're playing some good football. Now, again, as he said, that offense, and, and if that offense can get going, get that run game going with Ronnie Hillman, you know, get get that passing game going, Peyton Manning and Demar- Demarius Thomas, get that thing going. You know, this is a football, and Emmanuel Sanders as well, this is a football team that can make some noise. Now, in in terms of where they're at, in terms of, you know, you got the Patriots out there. I, I still think the Patriots are a better football team. Bengals, I think, might be the better football team at this point. And, and I say that because of what I see on the offensive side of football for the Denver Broncos. You know, you're still not getting enough there, you're still not getting consistency there. Uh, you know, Peyton Manning, you know, turned the football over twice uh, against the uh, Minnesota Vikings through two interceptions. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what Peyton Manning does moving forward. It, it's going to be interesting to see how he plays moving forward. I, I want to see if he can kind of be and regain and be that quarterback that we've seen over the past couple of years. Thirty-nine years old. You know, at the end of the last season, you know, in that playoff game against the Indianapolis Colts, he struggled, but he had an injured calf. He was injured. But injuries happen at the age of 39. It comes to the territory. When you're at the age of 39, you know, injuries happen. Stuff happens. The body, the way it handles injuries is, is totally different. The way it handles everything is totally different. I'm 39 years old now. Obviously, I'm not paid many. Obviously, I'm not an NFL football player, but my body's different. You can see that you can feel the difference when you go out there and play sports. You know, I'm going out there playing basketball. You know, the next day, I'm still I'm a little sore. 
The body doesn't do what it once did. And that just comes with age. What my body used to do and what it can do now, two different things. And, you know, I I never, you know, not to talk about me and compare myself to a pro, professional athlete, but I never felt old. I, not old, because I'm only 39 years old. So I'm not old. But I'm old athletically. I never felt old athletically until recently. And, and that's when you, you feel your age. You, you can't. For me, it's you, you don't warm up as fast as you used to. You know, you, you don't you you're not in full gear as fast as you used to. It's just so it's it's those things that uh you know, you you're not the same guy. You're just not the same guy. It stinks. <laughs> because everybody wants to be that guy. Everybody wants to be big time and and you know, wants to, to, to be on top. Nobody wants to let Mother Nature, not Mother Nature, but just uh, uh, Father Time. No one wants to let Father Time get the best of them. It happens. And it could happen to Peyton Manning later in the season. And as we go on through the season, it could happen, and it's happened to me. Again, I'm not comparing myself to a professional athlete, but you get what I'm saying. Let's stay in the NFL now. You got the Miami Dolphins. And change came to the Miami Dolphins, and, and they struggled. I mean, a lot of people coming out the gate talked about this Dolphin team and, you know, revamping that front four, you know, adding uh, an Adamican Sue, who, you know, Adamican Sue, we know who Adamican Sue is big time. At least he was big time. You know, getting him in there, you know, uh, you know re-signing Tannehill, I mean, they made it. They they made some changes to that football team, and the changes everybody they made. A lot of people thought those changes would lead to a dominating defense and just a, a, a team that you know Sue up front with Cameron Wake. You know what I'm saying? You got those two up there, and you thought maybe Tannehill would take that next step and become a, a better quarterback. You, you know, they 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 added some things, and you thought the Broncos, not the Broncos, the Dolphins were poised and ready to go to that next level. You know, you thought they were ready to go to that next level. And a lot of people had them winning the AFC East. I wasn't one of those who did that. I mean, I didn't have the uh, the Dolphins making the playoffs. I didn't. So, I mean, did I expect the Dolphins to be this bad this soon, this early, one and three, coming out the gate? After four games, did I expect that? No. I mean, you know, now they're doing Oklahoma drills, and, you know, they're trying to – Dan Campbell's trying to change the mentality of this football team, trying to make this team, I guess, tougher, trying to make this team, I guess, better. That's the hope. That's the goal. But I look at this Dolphins team at one and three, and here's the thing. You rarely – obviously, Joe Philbin lost this football team. Whether it's even last year with the whole situation with uh you know incognito and and Jonathan Martin two years ago with incognito and Jonathan Martin and everything was going on with that, obviously he lost this football team, and you look at it the rest of the way. I'm just looking at their schedule now one and three can they turn it around? And a move like this mid season was well, not even mid season four games in a quarter of the season. It could change the course of your football team. I mean, it's possible 
that a spark like this change, and everybody now on notice that, hey, we got to do better. We lost the coach. And the reason why our coach is gone is because of what happened and what's going on with our play. We're not good. We're getting beat. We're not, I mean, Buffalo blows us out at home. We barely beat the Redskins on the road, barely. Then we lose at Jacksonville to the Jaguars. Then we go overseas to London. We stink up the joint. Jets dominate us. So they are in a bye week now. They go at Tennessee, winnable football game. They have the Texans at home, winnable football game. They're going to lose to New England. At Buffalo, probably a loss. At Philly, Philly's not that good. Dallas, we don't know what Dallas will be on November 22nd. Uh, And maybe Tony Romo's back. Maybe Dez is back by that point as well. At the Jets, Jets seem like like they're a better football team. Baltimore, but we'll see if Baltimore can turn their season around. Uh, The uh, the Giants after that, Giants playing better football, playing decent football. I, I, I go through the schedule, and I don't think they turn this thing around. They got New England twice. And they got the Colts, who are picking it up slowly but surely. But you can argue that the Colts are picking it up in their division. Their division is not very good. So I'm looking at the Dolphins, and they they might be done. You know, they they might be done. But again, I can see them turning it around because we've seen it. We've seen what happens when new coaches come to town. Players on notice. Players know now. We got to play harder. We got to do better. And for us to 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 keep our jobs, we got to do better. Our coach lost his job four games in. We got to do better. We got to do better. And so, then you got Tannehill. What? You know, getting getting upset with a practice squad player. You know, I guess flexing his muscles. If you will, he is the franchise quarterback. He's got security at this point in time. So, you know, maybe he can flex a little bit. Maybe he can he can, he can flex a little bit, you know. And, and, you know, and he talked allegedly talked about the, the, the practice squad players' money. You know, he's mocking practice squad players. You know, come on. Come on. You know, so – what, Sue not coming out there with cleats and things of that nature? You know, I mean, I don't know if Adonik and Sue will ever – I don't know if he'll be like Albert Hainsworth. I know some people, you know, you, you, anytime you, you want to talk about a bust at, at defensive tackle, you always go back to Albert Hainsworth and that deal and him making all that money and him going, going to a, a Washington and, and actually stinking up the joint. You know, tell him to get away. I mean, he stunk the joint up. And Adama Kinsu at this point not making impact plays, not doing the type of things that Adama Kinsu has done throughout the course of his career, you know, and, and he's a he's a dominant force, Adama Kinsu. He he can disrupt that you know, he can disrupt what you're doing. He can disrupt what you're doing. He's an he's an aggressive, big time disruptive defensive tackle. And right now, he's not doing that. Teams are running the ball against the uh, Miami Dolphins. You know, the Jets had a lot of success 
They had a lot of success running the football against the Miami Dolphins. Looked easy. Chris Ivory was, you know, going up and down the field running the football effectively against that Miami Dolphins football team. And so the Dolphins, they make a move four games into the season. You don't, you rarely see that in the NFL. Four games, wow. Obviously, there was unhappiness with the job that Joe Philbin was doing. Obviously, management expected more out of this football team. Management expected this team to to win divisions and, and, and be up there with the Patriots in the AFC East. Management had to think that. Four games in, and you're, you're getting rid of your coach. And, and it's not like management was the only one who felt that. But there's a lot of people who were on the Miami Dolphin bandwagon, a lot of people. I wasn't one of them. Again, I had this team not making the playoffs. Guess I'm right. Well, we'll see. A lot of football to be played, like I said. Here's the hope for the Dolphins. If you're a Dolphins fan, new coach sometimes means a spark, which sometimes could lead to your team playing better football, which possibly could lead your team to turning their season around. We'll see what happens. We're going to bring in a guy now who Hall of Famer, 11 years, a lot of big things with this man. Let's bring him in now, Hall of Famer, Willie Rove. Willie. How's it going today? How are you? Man, it's been a little crazy with the football, with the Dolphins, and then what's going on with, with, with my homeboy, <laughs> Dan Fisher. It's been a little, little, little crazy, Paul. A lot, lot, a lot of crazy things going on, and we'll get to Fisher in a moment. But let's 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 start let's start with the Miami Dolphins. You know, one and three, stunk up the joint in London, playing bad football. And I believe you had the Dolphins. You were pretty high on the Dolphins coming into this year. A lot of people were high on the Dolphins coming into this year, and it fell apart for whatever reason. What's your thoughts on this firing? I mean, this is four games in, so obviously management's not happy. Uh, I don't, you know, Paul. I, I really don't know what, what, you know, defensively what they're running because last year they they seemed like they were um, weak and those guys seemed like they were doing pretty good up front. So I don't know what's happened between last year and this year when you had two to the mix. I don't know if they're not running running a four three or if they not have a line where they want to be aligned. Because remember that was some of Albert Haynesworth what his issue was when he got to. Uh, Washington, that they weren't playing like they were playing them in Tennessee. So I don't know, but you know, I know this coach is, is an old school type of coach. But anytime um, you got coaching doing um, the old Oklahoma drill, you know, the next week in practice, uh, I mean, I don't know if you're trying to make the team tough at this point, but you know, you need to worry about making sure guys know their assignments and know what they're doing and making sure you talk to the players and put them in the, in, the, in the best situation where those guys to succeed. I mean, and, um, I, you know, I'm a little worried when he went home with you. Well, you, you look at it and, and, you know, they, they, you know, they fired their defensive coordinator, they fired their head coach. And obviously those are things you can't fire all the players, obviously. But as I said, before you came on, I feel like you can, you can, in a lot of ways, turn the season around. When and it happens, you see it in a lot of sports where they get rid of the coach, they bring somebody else in, and it's an instant spark. And they play pretty good football, basketball, baseball, whatever the sport, and they sometimes turn it around. 
Do you see this Dolphins team turning this around? Willie? I think we lost him. So we'll get we'll, we'll work to get him back on. And, and again, it, it it's it's difficult. It's difficult to turn it around. It, it's difficult, but it's not out of question. It, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they can turn this around. Willie, but Paul, how can you turn it around if you and you can't put the whole Repeat that. I think you you were we got a bad connection. And I think we lost to begin. Hopefully we can get that uh, connection straightened out. But I I'm not saying they can turn us around. I I'm saying that, you know, we've seen in the past teams turn around after coaches are fired. We've seen it. Uh and it seems like the talent is there on paper. It, it seems like the talent's there. But I, who knows? Who knows if it's a good mesh of, of talent? The talent is there, but who knows if the talent works together, if that talent is, is suitable to work together? Who knows? I mean, because we, we've seen over the years where, you know, teams seemingly put together a decent roster of players and in the midst of putting the, uh, together a decent roster of players, them not still putting it together. The Washington Redskins are a perfect example of that. They're a team that each and every year they seem to win the uh, free agent war in the off season and, and you know win the free agent Super Bowl, but they never get it done. Willie. Yeah, Paul. What I was saying was, I'm sorry about that. I got my home phone. Was if 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 you got a, if you fire the coordinator stuff, how is this coach going to succeed? I don't think he's ever been an offensive defensive coordinator. If you check his track record, when you fire somebody and you got to put put a whole new system in, you know you're going to have to you know you, you I mean you can't. It's going to be hard to implement a system that they unless they go back to a system they already had in the middle of the season. And and well, I, I guess I guess the the good thing. For them, is they have a bye week, so you have time to possibly put something in place. But it's like it's going to be obviously a work in progress in terms of putting together a system. And, and, and another another thing, uh, Paul, I would like to say about Sue, you know, you give a guy like that all that money, you expect him to be a leader on the team, and uh, and you know, you hear his comments after the game, and. Uh, I mean, I mean, the, the kid has to understand. I mean, the kid has a great ability. He's made a he's made a ton of money. He made a ton of money in Detroit, but his attitude is, is what's 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 going to hold him back. And 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 I know that I don't know his numbers this year, but he hasn't been playing well. I mean, the kid had all the fame type potential, but I don't I don't I don't know Paul with his attitude. I, I just don't know what he's going to do. And with that contract, they can't do anything with him for three or four years. So. They, they, he knows this stuff, and, and and now he's down there with no state tax, and he's uh, getting paid a whole lot of money. Well, I mean, and Sue's numbers aren't great. Heck, the team only has one sack after four weeks, and that's, that's Cameron Wake on that defensive line along with Adamican Sue on that defensive line. So it, it's not looking good, and their new defensive coordinator, 
uh, Lou Anarumo, I I think I'm saying his name right, but he was defensive backs coach for the Miami Dolphins before this promotion. Also, he coached in college uh, for a few seasons at Harvard, at Marshall. Um, So he coached there, but, you know, obviously – this is a this is a coordinating position, and this is a big step up for him. And hopefully, he's ready for the task at hand. And we'll see if he can put it together, and we'll see if they can turn things around there in Miami. Let's go to Greg Hardy. Uh, Greg Hardy, he's back, but I mean, he's back after four weeks suspension. Could have been ten weeks. It was brought down to four weeks, fortunately for him. And he had some comments that you know, obviously were a little inappropriate. Quote, I hope I've come out guns blazing. Obviously, we all know the situation. He was accused of of, uh, uh, assaulting a woman, and within that assault, allegedly, he threw a a bunch of rifles on a couch, and he threw the woman on that same couch. So you talk about guns. I mean, you talk about coming out guns blazing, and we all know what you allegedly may have did. He also talked about Tom Brady's wife, and, and so on and so forth. To me... He needs to shut up because he missed all last season, even though he got paid, and he couldn't miss ten weeks of, of this year, but even though he only got four at the end of the day. I think he needs to shut up. Your thoughts? Huh. Paul, these kids just won't learn. I mean, I mean, basically, he got he got away with it. He bought, he paid her off. And I heard it was a lot of money or a whole lot of money when he got. I mean, he got paid last year like Adrian Peterson did. Didn't play. He, he got he signed a one year, ten million dollar deal this year, so he's still getting paid. Um, and I'm sorry to say that, Paul, but if he comes out and gets double digit sacks this year, he's gonna get paid after this year. So I mean, right. I, I would think the kid learned a lesson. Obviously, the way he's talking, in his mind, I guess he feels like he didn't do anything wrong. You know, even though he got accused of doing stuff and, and you know was getting prosecuted, you know he he paid her he probably paid a substantial amount of money. But uh, you know, you know, I get once you get, once you get away with it, Paul, and then you um, you sign a ten year ten, ten million dollar deal, and then you get suspension, gets released, reduced to four games. You know, the, you know, the, I mean, the guy thinks he's untouchable, so. You know, I just hope these young guys wake up and understand what what an honor, what what it is to play in the National Football League and how blessed they are to play a kid's game. I know it's hard work. You know, your body goes through a lot playing football. I can tell you that, you know. I mean, uh, you know, you put in enough time, you feel it when you're done playing pro, pro sports and especially pro football. But, you know, I hope these kids and um, these young guys can put some money up and um, – and appreciate what they got. And I remember uh, Coach Dickin always told us, you know, you need to appreciate the game. It goes by fast and be honored and be thankful that you get a chance to play it. But, uh, you know, hopefully that kid can grow up. And I, and I hope he doesn't go through another situation for him to, to for him to realize what he did have. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, maybe he can get some counseling or somebody can put him to the side and talk to him. Yeah, and, and here's the thing. I mean, no, there's there's obviously going to be a large portion of the population who believe that what he that he did in fact assault that uh, particular young lady, and you know a lot of people believe it. And, and I think here's the reality of it. Also, the big difference between Hardy and Ray Rice, who 
no one will give an opportunity to, which I think is wrong, but it is what it is. I think he deserves another opportunity. The difference is that Greg Hardy was not caught on video, and Ray Rice was caught on video. And, and so that's the reason why Greg Hardy's playing, and that's the, the video portion, that's the reason Ray Rice is not playing. But also I think also you look at Ray Rice, some of his performance base because he didn't have a good season the year before he had that situation with his wife. And Greg Hardy is getting after the quarterback big time over the past few years. So it, the thing is, man, I mean, he's got to appreciate the place. Like you said, he's got to appreciate where he's at because there is an alternative, and the alternative is Ray Rice. You think Ray Rice will ever get a chance? Uh, you know what? I, I didn't even realize he wasn't even in the league. I, I think part of the reason Ray Rice didn't get a chance is because of uh, his his production was going down, and and right. you know, and, and Greg and Greg Hart is young, and, and he was, and he was, and, and, and he was, uh, you know, he he was he was an excellent football player in Carolina, and and, and was was real good. So I mean, I mean, they didn't want to lose him in Carolina. I know the owner was very upset when all this stuff happened with him. Uh, Donor really did like him a lot, and was very upset when they had to let Greg Greg Hardy go. But but I, I think I, you know if you see that young man after what he said, I think he's a troubled young man. And like I said, I just hope he gets it together. But you know, pass rusher is a premium uh, in in this league, Paul. So look look, look at Alden Smith, everything he's been to. Look at um, Von Miller, everything Von Miller's been to. But it seems like Von Miller's gotten it together and he's playing great this year. So you know, pass. Fast rushing is, is, a, is a, one of the top spots to get paid in, this, in the league, and and uh, like I said, if 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 Alden Smith and Greg Harvey Hardy have a good year this year, he'll be getting another big paycheck again. And, and you look at Greg Hardy, and we talk about production: 2012 and 2013, 16 sacks over that two-year span. So you, you talk about a guy who's getting after his quarterback, and, and you know, 27 years old, so in the prime of his career, still young, still getting after the quarterback. And, what, last year he only played one game and had one sack. So, you know, Greg Hardy, to your point, part of it, he's in the league and Ray Rice is not as video. Another part is also because of production he is producing. And the NFL is a production league. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. And, Willie, um, this week, last week, your Saints got back on a good foot, beat the Dallas Cowboys in overtime. You know, Drew Brees, you know, working with that shoulder, got it done. Now they go to Philadelphia, and, and we look at these two one-and-three football teams. To me, if I look at these two one-and-three football teams, you know, I don't, I, I can't say which one is better. Both of them really not that good at this point. But I will say this. The Eagles, fortunately enough for them, play in the NFC East. In the NFC East, Cowboys 2-2, two and two, Giants 2-2, two and two, Redskins 2-2. Two and two. And the Cowboys don't have Romo, don't have Des Bryant. The Giants, you know, they're playing better football. And the Redskins, so we don't even know how good the Redskins are. They're not that great of a football team, I don't think, at this point. But at the end of the day, the reality is the Eagles, if they win, and they, they could still they could either be tied if the Cowboys lose to the Patriots, which is possible, the Giants if they lose uh, this week, which is possible, to the 49ers, and the Redskins. So, I mean, the point I'm trying to make is this. The point I'm trying to make is Philadelphia is is in a bad division, therefore they still have an opportunity. The Saints are in a good division, therefore their chances dwindle big time. But at the end of the day, who has a better chance to you, Saints or Eagles? You mean to make the playoffs? Yeah. 
obviously the Eagles. I mean, you got two four and teams in the division. You got Carolina who's playing well, and you got uh, Atlanta who who look real good this year. So obviously, you know, it's the Eagles that have the better shot in that division. And I mean, I watched that game last week. That was an ugly football game. Sean Lee, Sean Lee leaves the game early. You know, you got Sean Lee out. You got Greg Hardy out. You got Rolando out. You got the quarterback out. You got Dez Bryant out. I mean, come on now. You can't lose all them players and still, and they were still had a good chance to win that ball game. I mean, right. Dallas was right there in that football game, even without even with all those guys out. For sure, for sure. Um, but you don't you don't see anywhere where the Saints, you know, after getting the victory and you know getting some guys back and you know you don't see uh, the Saints. I tell you what. I tell you what. If if the Saints, what, what, they play Atlanta this week, right? Saints play Philadelphia. They play in Philly, you said. Okay. If the Saints, if, which they haven't done in a while, could win on the road, win this game on the road, that that would give them a lot of momentum. And I think getting that first win, when you, when you get off to the season and you, and you haven't won a game in a few games, you just want to get a win to get the money off your back. You know, if you get off to a real good start and you're undefeated, you're like, let's keep this going. But if you don't have a win in your first few weeks, you're just like, man, I want to get a win, period. So, the fact they got that win, they can breathe and relax a little bit. But um, Philadelphia looked like they they were playing better and they were moving the ball better the last couple of weeks, and that's going to be a tough game to play up there in Philly. And um, I, I don't I don't know I don't know how how they're going to be able to play. They, typically, the Saints haven't played been real good road teams, you know, and they finally got their win at home. That was six in a row. Which we didn't do when I played with the Saints, lose six in a row in the dome. But uh, uh, it's going to be tough in there in Philly. But regardless, it's still going to be harder for them to, to to deal with that division with Atlanta and Carolina off to the starts they're off to. And, now, and Carolina we, and Carolina's one and all against the Saints in the division already. Right. And now, now Willie, we we have uh, the situation with Matt Barnes and and, and Derek Fisher, uh, an Arkansas guy, just like yourself. Here's the way I look at it. I mean, you know, we know Fisher and, and, and Barnes were teammates. Apparently they had some type of falling out. Um, from my standpoint, I, I look at it this way, and apparently they were close at one point. And, and so if you have a close relationship with any of your friends, teammate, what have you, just talk. let's just talk friends. If I have a relationship with my friend, and he's my friend, and he's not with his wife, she's hands off to me. I, I can't have none, no dealings with her. It's done. I can't. They got kids together. I can't mess with her. It's not doable. It can't be done. But you look at it, Derek Fisher, coaching the NBA, Derek Fisher was supposed to be out in California seeing his kids. He left training camp, supposed to be out in California seeing his kids, and he winds up at Gloria Govan's house, the, the, the estranged wife of Matt Barnes. I mean, from a, I mean, what's your thoughts on that? Paul, it's, 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 it's not good in, in a bunch of ways. First of all, um, for Matt Barnes, if you want to be out running the clubs and doing what you're doing, and you don't want to be, you don't, you say you don't want to be with your wife anymore, then 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 you cannot get mad. I mean, you know, he's wrong in a way because you know you're thinking the grass is greener. And you want to go out here partying and doing what you're doing. Well, two can play at that game. Uh, obviously, we know her sister is uh, is the got four kids with with with, uh, with Gilbert Arenas, and 
and they're going through a situation right now. But for Derek Fisher, first you're the head coach of a basketball team that did nothing last year. You want your players to respect you. You, you, you. If you're the head coach in any sport, you have to carry yourself and conduct yourself in a manner that you get the respect of your players and your peers. And he just, he, I, I would, I would have thought Fisher's smarter than that. You know, to to go over there to the to the man's house with his kids still up. And, I, and if you saw the story, Paul, his kid, his kids are the ones who called, and Matt mm-hmm. was back home, and, and that's the reason Matt went over there because his kids were upset because they know Derek Fisher, and they're wondering why he's at their house. So, right. Ultimately, it's her responsibility, which obviously she doesn't respect Matt or her kids to for Fisher to go over there. But, you know, for Fisher to go over there, I mean, this might, if he wants to see her, you know, keep that in private and, 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 and handle that between you and her. Do not, don't go over that man's house with his kids up and, and, and put yourself in that situation for Fisher. You know, if she wanted to see him, she could have waited for the kids to go to sleep or whatever and went and saw it. You know, but he didn't, right. Fisher did, need, did not need to go over there and jeopardize his situation by going over to that man's house and all that stuff happening because he's lost a lot of respect, um, you know, from from doing that. And Fisher had the utmost reputation on top of the fact that, you know, last year people remember his wife throws him a big party for his 10-year anniversary, and then he, and then he gets separated and from his wife right after that party where nobody was figuring out, well, why is Fisher, what's going on with him and his wife? Well, obviously we know some other things have been going on, so... Uh, I don't know how long it's been going on, but for the man to go over his house, I don't think it just started. I will say that. No, no. According to reports, it's been like a few months. They've been, you know, having dealings with each other. And and from you know, I I never played in the NFL, never played in the NBA, never played any sport on that level. When it comes to those type of situations and, and teammates, it, is it uh, 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 is it one of those unspoken things where you know, if if I'm, you know, if that's my ex-wife or baby mom, she's hands off. Is that one of those unspoken well, I things? Well, t- I would say this, Paul. You know, I was in a situation kind of dealing with this when I left New Orleans. And sometimes if you've been back and forth with a woman before you get married, you know, and it's an attractive woman in, the, in those cities, most times if, if they're going out to certain places, Somebody has known them or would know them. And that's like when you get to Kansas City. If you come into a city and you start going to the club, hanging out with these athletes and on the scene, those women you see in that club, they've known somebody. They've been, they, if they're in that club, the odds they've had relations with some athlete, a ball player, whatever. Okay? So sometimes certain guys will do this because they, they like doing it, you know, to have one up on a guy just to say they got away with it. And then you have guys that do not won't cross that boundary. So it works both ways. Right. So some people get off on doing this type of stuff, and some people just will not cross that line. So I mean, it just matter. It just matter who the individual is. But ultimately, if you've been married and you have kids with somebody, you know, once you have those kids in the house, you would expect that the woman or the man that works both ways. If Matt had the kids. He's not going to have some woman around those kids that's friends with her that she knows, and she's not going to have 
somebody in the house that's friends with what that know that, that, that knows him or play with him. So that's just a line you don't cross, especially with the kids in the house. So like right. I said, if it was a situation where they want to see each other, if they need to see each other that badly, then they need to do it when the kids aren't around. For sure. And and you're right. I mean, I and, and my thing is, I mean, hey, you know, athletes, they travel in similar circles. They probably, you know, similar girls, so on and so forth. I but but like, we're not called a man an angel. Matt's not an angel here now. Matt no, likes to get out not. and do his thing. So, you know, Matt has had issues uh, domestically or whatever with her, and Matt likes to get out and do his thing. So when you, when you, you reap what you sow, you know, when you get out and you want to run, uh, and you're dealing with women that are vindictive type women that 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 are, that are scandalous that 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 want to put you in that type of situation and are probably like this that this happened, then look what happens. Right, and and you know on on some level you know not getting into it, but you like you said you experienced in New Orleans. We all know the rumors, the Joe Horn story, so on and so forth. So you kind of know about this situation on some level. And I, I just, I don't know, I mean, I just feel like, you know, once there's a baby mama or a wife, ex-wife slash baby mama, there's, you know, you can't touch, you know, your your hands off as far as I'm concerned. You can't touch that woman once she has a baby by you, once she has a baby, if, if you know, if I'm my friend, he has a baby by the woman or she he was married to her, I can't yeah, touch but, her. Yeah, but, but see, Joe had just got there, even though if Joe or Joe Johnson or whoever, if, if the case may be, if you're not married to that person at the time and it is your baby mama and you're not married, I got married after I had my kids, well, if you're not with them all the time and you're doing your thing, then it's, then it's a catch-22. If it's a good-looking girl, you can't really blame the guy. You know what I'm saying? How can I blame the guy? You know what you I mean? Can't blame you have to blame the girl. Yeah. Now, if she comes back and gets back and starts dating me again, and she has done something inappropriate with somebody I play with, you know, be honest and say something about it because you know they're not going to let me just get married to you and they've been dating somebody that you got a kid with, and then I'm up and trying to get married. They're not going to let that happen. Some guys are going to want to put that out there and flaunt that. So you know but, how it works, Paul. It's a dirty game. So what I'm but, saying I, but, is, go ahead. No, go ahead. So what I'm saying to you is, if the woman is going to be straight up with you, then they need to tell you if they've been dating some guy that you are playing with when okay. when, when okay. they know you've had a kid and they know you're, and you're trying to marry them. Then the women need to be straight up. In Matt's situation, Matt was <clears throat> married, and he's been back and forth, you know, uh, dating different women, and now... They're estranged. They're not divorced. They're still married, technically. And I don't know if they were drove, drove back from Santa Barbara early in the day, or if they, you know, obviously, if they're not divorced, Matt still might be seeing her sometime. Okay. True. So True. Matt's still seeing her sometime. So he thinks that he's the only one. Well, you're not the only one because you're not with her anymore. So you don't really have the right to tell her what and what she can't do if you're not with her. So. No, that's true. It's, it's a it, it is, but my thing here's my issue with it. Like, you know, I understand. You know, you can go out and do your thing and whatnot. But if, if, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like if that's my boy, if we're boys, I can't touch her. I mean, that's bottom line. 
What if you're not boys? boys? I can't talk. What if you're not boys, okay, but you're just teammates? If you're just coworkers, then you know you can cross that line, but it's still messy. It's, it's still very messy. messy, and if it comes out, they know people know it's going to be messy. So some people like the mess. So right. do you think she's upset? All this came out. Do, she, do um, you think she's upset? Upset about this? I, I, the, know, only, the only reason she's upset about it is because her kid was crying and had to break that up. That's what she's upset about. She's not upset about the fact that Matt came over there and all this stuff happened after what he's been probably putting that through. She's not upset about that. She's upset her kids are upset. But, you know, right. I mean, but the official thing, this is my point. If I dated girls after before that I've been married to guys that I played with, that's not somebody you're going to go and get serious with. You know what I mean? If you want to have right. a good time or, or you're not, you're single, you want to have a good time, then that's one thing. But don't go get serious with somebody that that you that you known of dating somebody or seriously dated somebody that you've been married to that you've played with. You don't do that. And you need to keep that business to yourself if you're going to do that. So that's why I said I was. I thought Fisher would be smarter than that if you're going to do that. It goes on all the time, Paul. This type right. of stuff goes on all the time because a lot of women are attracted to the athletes. Fisher's a good-looking, clean-cut dude for his age. You know, we're not going to match a clean-cut dude. So a lot of athletes take care of themselves. A lot of these women are, 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 are paid to upkeep their bodies and are cute women. So they're running in the same circles. And they, and, and they like guys with money, and Fisher's making very good money. So sure. I will say this. I will say this, uh, uh, Paul. That it's hard for them to avoid each other if they're still hanging or talking to the same people, and they probably known each other since they played. So in the back of Matt's mind, it's like, well, when you were, when we were going out to dinner together with me and your couples, were y'all eyeballing each other in, or what was going on back right. then? So this, this can go back to him thinking about this. A long time ago, you know, you know what I mean. So, uh, it, sure. it's just a, in my case, it's, it's, it's like it's like it's, you, you, you know. I know some guys that Hall of Fame guys that have gotten divorced and then somebody married their ex-wife. You know, what I mean, you, you just can't do that. No, I mean, and that's my whole thing. At the end of the day, you know, you know, I mean, they're grown. Everybody's grown here, but to me, there has to be a level of etiquette, level of boundaries. When it comes to baby mamas and ex-wives, that's just my opinion. But you know, it's it, it, but, but you're talking about baby mamas, though. You can't, you know, if you're saying if you're saying they dated seriously a baby mama, I mean, what if what if a guy has what if a guy has seven, six, seven baby mamas? You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, some of these guys have a lot of baby mamas. What if a guy meets mm-hmm. you know somebody, Adrian Peterson or Cromartie? I'm not throwing them out there. I'm just saying, what if they meet somebody they dated and they get sits with them and the guy had a kid with it, but they never really got real serious. I mean, you, you know what I mean, Paul? I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I mean, I just, I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll <laughs> I think obviously as this, as the story, this story progresses, we'll, we may hear more. Well, and, um, you know, but, 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 Paul, this is my deal. Derek Fisher is how, 40 years old? You know, uh, Matt Barnes has uh, been a 30 older guy. You know, if this happened when these guys in their twenties or are younger, okay, when they're out younger, I can understand that. But you know, Fisher is supposed to be a Christian. You know, his, his daughter had that cancer, and he he left the team because of his kid. I mean, 
you know, I mean, Fisher's reputation, man, was was a Christian man, and you know, people were surprised when he up and got divorced last year. But you know, you you got a stellar reputation, man. You just you just can't throw your reputation away over something like that. For sure, and and for hopefully moving forward, he can, you know, if 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 he can he can repair some things, repair his relationship with whoever he needs to repair with, and and just ultimately just move forward and become a better person. And hopefully this won't affect his coaching situation, but it's not a good look. At the end of the day, it's not a good look at all. We we got to get out of here, Willie. Appreciate it, man. All right. Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe. Pleasure talking to him. When we come back, we're going to be joined by New York Jets wide receiver, Jeremy Curley. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... That doesn't mean see anything in the playoffs, time. When the playoffs come, <laughs> it doesn't mean anything. I was trying to throw uh, you. you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that you know. We know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you. You, you have a pedigree. We see what you can do. We've seen it. I would never bring my wife around you. I just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's all right. That's that rock. (laughs) That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. (laughs) Okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! Thank you, sir. And we're back. Go For It, blogtalkradio.com, talking sports, having fun doing it. We're going to be joined by a guy now, uh, part of the New York Jets. New York Jets, off to a great start at this point. Three and one, uh, second place in the AFC East, playing some good football. A lot of people are surprised by the New York Jets and what they've done to this point. I mean, I, I didn't expect the Jets to be three and one at this point, but they're playing some good football and they're getting it done. And we'll see if that what can happen moving forward. But at this point, three and one, and they're on their bye week, so three and one after that first quarter, that's always a good thing. We're going to bring a guy who's a part of that. Let's bring him in now, wide receiver. Jeremy Carley. Jeremy, how are you? Man, I'm doing good, man. I can't call it one day at a time. For sure. Thanks for joining us. And, you know, you look at you guys, you go over to London, you dominate the Dolphins, you come out strong, you get a good performance out of your quarterback, you get a good performance out of your running back, your defense, they dominated as well. You guys dominated so much that the Dolphins decided to fire their head coach the next day. Talk about your performance against the Dolphins. Uh, I mean, I felt like we came out, man, and we was just – we had our head in the right place. You know, we didn't let the time go on, mess with us and all that. We made sure we got enough sleep and stuff and all that. So when we got over there, we were prepared. We were focused on, you know, beating the Dolphins and focused on the game, not so much as getting our rest and stuff. So I feel like we had a slight advantage, you know, being that, you know, we were prepared that way. 
You know what I'm I don't ever want to see a head coach get fired. I don't ever want to see nobody get fired. That's unfortunate. Sure. You know what I'm saying? But, I mean, that just, I guess that just lets you know how we coming. For sure. That's, you know, you guys played big-time football on Sunday. So, when you got to London, how long did it take for you to adjust? How long did it take your body to adjust to the different time zones? Uh, I mean, to me, man, I don't sleep, man. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a night owl, so I don't sleep no way. So it didn't take me nothing to adapt, man. But for everybody else, it was a little different, man. You know, um, I think we were something like six hours ahead or six hours behind, one of the two. But uh, it took guys probably a full 24 hours to kind of recover and get used to it. That's the reason why, we, you know, we flew down on Thursday to give guys, you know, the opportunity to get, you know, used to the time zone. Now, did you did you go see some kind of sights and sounds? Did you see anything in London? Yeah, yeah, man. I went to a couple of places. Uh, okay. You know, I visited um, I visited the Buckingham Palace. You know, Queenwood right. and all that stuff. I, I, I had a pretty good time, man. I visited a couple of spots. You know, couple shopping spots and all that. You know, I like London. Okay, for sure, for sure. And you know, you're getting good play from your running game and Chris Ivory. You're also getting good play out of your quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. He used his arms. He used his legs very effectively against the Dolphins this week. Talk about the play of Ryan Fitzpatrick thus far. Uh, I think Ryan, man, he's a he's a smart quarterback, man. Um, you know, which is a major credit to him. He, he definitely uses, you know, his his assets and his tool, you know, to to manage the game. I think he puts the ball in a in a in a, in a you know in a place where most of the time only you can get it, and the defender can't, which is you know separates a lot of quarterbacks from you know, one another, but I mean, he's, he's a, he's a game changer, man. You know, he's a, he's a coach back there, quarterback. You know what I'm saying? That's something that you want to look for in a leader. And at this point, I mean, you guys are three and one and, 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 you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't really supposed to start the season as your quarterback, Geno Smith was, we all know what happened with his situation at this point. Is it safe to say that the Jets are Ryan Fitzpatrick's team? Uh, man, I don't even know how to answer that. This is a crazy game. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. one day you could be, you know, starting quarterback. Next day, you know, never know what happens. You know, due to injury, due to whatever. You know, Geno's situation, that was just a crazy situation. And I kind of hate it for him because, you know, it's not like he just went out there and got his spot took. You know what I'm saying? It, it was something that set him back. And, uh, I mean, that's something hard to overcome, you know, being that, you know, it, he's supposed to be out there right now, but he's not. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, now I can't say it's, it's Ryan Fitzpatrick's team, but I definitely can say, you know, he's having, you know, a big impact on our success right now. We're talking to Jets wide receiver Jeremy Curley. And, and, and going back to the Dolphins game, were, were, were you surprised? I mean, the Dolphins were 1-2 and two coming into that game, and, you know, they they, they were a team that, Obviously needed that football game. They were one and two, playing the AFC East division uh, foe, and they just did not play good football. They played pretty bad football. Were you surprised how the Dolphins came out last nah. Sunday? Okay. No, nah, no, nah, I wasn't really surprised, man. Um, you know, I'm confident in, in us and confident in our game plan and what we do. Um, I don't feel like they really had a chance. You know, when they first came out, uh, it seemed like they kind of came out a little flat. You know, we just came out fine. You know. That's just, you know, no discredit to them or whatever, but, you know, it's just, 
we were firing on all cylinders, man. When we came out, we came out, you know, ready to play. Did you see a team that quit? Do you think they quit on their coach? Did you see that? No, nah, I don't think they quit. I definitely don't okay. think they quit. I mean, you know, towards the end of the game, you know, when I guess they were in two-minute mode. I mean, I seen guys selling out. I seen guys, you know, trying to get open. I mm. seen the quarterback trying to make the right decisions, trying to make the right throws. Uh, I think they got a turnover, almost got a turnover there at the last minute. They could have changed the game, you know. So I don't think they quit on their coach. I, I don't think that's correct, you know. But mm. um, I definitely think that, you know, we came out and, and made a statement the whole game. Okay. So to you it was more about what you did and not necessarily what they did. Exactly. Now – your defense, playing big-time football, turning teams over. You know, Reeves is there. You got Cromartie back there. That front four is getting after people. Muhammad Wilkerson getting after people, sacking people, sacking quarterbacks. And your defense is playing big-time right now. Talk about the play of your defense. Uh, man, we got, a, we got a nasty defense, man. Like, everybody, everybody's in. Everybody's, you know, buying into the tie and the defense everybody's you know on the same page and when you got a defense like that and you got key guys at certain spots that are you know they they game changers out there. You, know, you got Kamardi, you got Muhammad, you got David Harris who's you know kind of with an eight, nine year vet. So you got key guys in positions that, you know, know how to how to manage games and know how to win. And you get everybody to buy into that and everybody to kinda of mimic what they do. And after that, man, you got a tenacious defense, man, and that's what we got. You know, we get Sheldon back. That's my dog. We're getting him back. So, and we did all this without him. You know what I'm saying? Right. So you can only imagine when he comes back how things are going to be. And, and you know, we, we know Sheldon Richardson, some of the things he's been through. Do you, do you see a change, man? You see a man who, who may have learned from some of his mistakes? Uh, Yeah, I do, man. Uh, and Sheldon, Sheldon, the dude that I, I call my, my, my bro, like, that's my little bro. So, uh, you know, I definitely think that, you know, when you go through anything like that, you got time to sit back. Um, if it doesn't change you, then it's kind of like shame on you. And I, I feel like um, I feel like he's definitely learned from it. And moving forward, I feel like it's going to make him a wiser man and, and, and make him, you know, really consider his decisions that he makes, you know. And uh, like I said, that's my dude. That's somebody I call my friend. And, right. uh, you know, one thing I, th- I think that, you know, it was not all Sheldon's fault. Um, but I feel like he 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 should have had certain guys that he could have reached out to. You know, that would have you know kind of mentored and told him, you know, that's not that's not the safest thing to do, or that's not the smartest thing to do. You know, everybody needs that type of type of person in, in their life, and I don't think he had that type of person. And uh, you know, moving forward, you know, I just want to you know reach my hand out to him and let him know. You know, what I'm saying like I'm always there for him, whatever. Right. And, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, people make mistakes. People fall short. And, you know, hopefully moving forward, like you said, he can learn from a mistake and ultimately become a better person. We're talking to Jets wide receiver Jeremy Curley. Todd Bowles has done a great job thus far. And you guys are playing great football. And what has been the difference playing with Bowles as opposed to Rex Ryan? What are some of the differences? Um, I think uh, Todd is, is, you know, he's definitely – uh, he's even kill. You know what you see is what you get. You know he's all about you know things being done and things being done right. 
you know, order and things being done right. And, um, you know, like I said, man, if you can get guys to buy into whatever you're, whatever you're promoting or whatever you're pushing out, then you're going to have a successful team. You know, um, he came in, you know, he laid things on the table, you know, he had expectations. And, uh, you know, that's, that's what you want to see in the head coach. And so, so far, so good for Ty Bowles. So far, so good. We're talking good. to Jess Roberts. Go ahead. Nah, 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 nah. Talk- I was just saying what you said. So far, so good. For sure. We're talking to Jets wide receiver Jeremy Curley. And, and Jeremy, I, I know after week one you, you talked about wanting to play a bigger role in the offense. You had six catches the week before against the Philadelphia Eagles. But do you see yourself having a bigger role in this offense moving forward? Um, Honestly, man, nah, not really. You know, I think the coaches, okay. you know, they set on their decisions or what they want to go with. You know, and I'm cool with that. Um, you know, they want bigger receivers. They want, you know, guys that can block, whatever the case may be. That's fine with me. Um, you know, all I can do is just try to go out there and be the best pro return that I could be. You know what I'm saying? And then when my number's called, do what I got to do, you know, to, to help this team out. Um, but, I mean, as far as, you know, me not having a bigger role or whatever, you know, I feel, I'm always feel like I can play football with anybody who's on the field. You know, I don't really, I, I don't really care who's out there. I can buy with anybody. So um, yeah, I feel like I should be in a rotation a little bit. You know, I don't have to be a starter. I, I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't have to be deemed a starter. You know, but I, I feel like I do deserve, you know, um, to be out there, you know, making plays and helping out this team, you know, just as well as everybody else. For sure, and and you know, obviously, you, you're not getting your name called as much as you would like in in the passing game, but. You can still you're still doing your thing in terms of the return game. Are you happy with what you're doing there thus far? Of course, man. Um, you know my my best return days was when I was in college at TCU. You know the schemes were set up a little different. Um, so you know here it's, it's definitely it's definitely a faster game. It's definitely um a lot of things a lot of you know things happening faster. So um you know I. Punt return is not something I take for granted. You know, it's not something I just, all right, let me try to get the ball back in the offense. Now, every time I touch the ball, uh, I'm trying to do something with it. I'm trying to make something happen. And, you know, me and my punt return team, we're starting to get on the same page. Um, our average is getting better and better. And uh, and we're just waiting to pop one, man. I'm telling you, we're going to get one. I, I, can, okay. I can almost guarantee you that. Man. We're going to get one. And, you know, not to – you're a competitor, and obviously as a competitor, you want to get out on that field as much as possible. Does it bother you on some level that you're not getting the touches that you would like to get? Um, nah, I mean, it, it doesn't really bother me. Um, okay. You know, just based off the fact that, you know, if I let it bother me, then, you know, I'm not worried about this team being successful. Right. You know, um, I'm not really a, a – a selfish person. Yeah, I want to touch the ball. You know, yeah, I want to score touchdowns and, you know, have such and such yards. But at the same time, you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, I'm a religious man. I'm a Christian. So I believe, you know, God lets everything happen for a reason. Um, you know, my time, my time will come. I'm still, I'm 26 years old. I want to play football. You know, I want to be out there on that field, you know, doing everything I can do. But, uh, you know, like I said, man, the coaches go, you know, they have what they want to have. They got out there who they want to have out there. So all I can do is sit back and be the best punt returner I can be. Now, Jeremy, 
you're doing some big things with your. You got some clothing, uh, a clothing line out there. JK11, you're doing big things with uh-huh. that. Tell us about it. Um, yeah, man, it's uh, I'm I'm real high in the fashion. Um, fashion's always been something that you know I've always uh, I've always ran to you know for comfort and uh, kind of a getaway like a hobby. And um, you know, growing up, I ain't I ain't really have nothing. I didn't have nothing at all. So, uh, you know, I was always looking, you know, Double XL and Vibe and all these magazines, GQ, see these guys dressing up. And I'm like, dang, man, I want to do that. That's nice. So, you know, when I got the opportunity, you know, I, I definitely started dressing myself, you know, as such. So JK11, you know, that's just something that, that, that's just getting started. But hopefully, you know, it grows. And, you know, people like it. My fans like it. They support me. You know, I want to franchise this thing. I want to make it big. I want to make it, you know, something that, you know, everybody can, you know, be happy with. You got a denim line coming out as well. Tell us about that. Exactly. Um, it's it's kind of different. You know, I'm a different type of dude, man. Um, shout out to Weird Walter. Weird Walter is uh, is actually my homeboy. Um, Chris Pyle is a uh, clothing line, and Weird Walter. That it means uh, fear what you don't understand. You know. You don't have to be, you know, socially accepted in this world. You can be whoever you want to be. Um, so kind of like my, my gene theory is, uh, my denim theory, is um, I kind of want to do something that, you know, guys don't really think about or people don't really think about. You know, nobody really starts off with jeans or nobody really starts off with, you know, just denim. So, um, and I think a, a nice pair of jeans, man, a comfortable pair of jeans, you know, can kind of change your whole, you know, perspective and your, 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 the way you feel. So uh, that's kind of why I'm dabbling and, you know, kind of dipping into the denim and starting off with jeans and stuff. And I'm going to see where it goes, man. You know, I'm putting my heart into it. It's something that I'm very excited about, something that I'm, you know, <laughs> very excited about. So so are, are you the best dressed man in the NFL? <laughs> no, man, not by a long shot, man. When I say when I say I like to dress, I like the way it makes me feel good. I don't know if it's you know appealing to everybody else, you know, if everybody else I like it, but it's what makes me feel good. I wouldn't go out there and say I'm the best dress. You know, I'm not really a suit and tie type of guy, but um, you know what? What I I definitely say I'm one of the best dressed in my locker room. Okay, okay. As long as your lady at home likes it, it's all good, right? Correct. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to Jets wide receiver Jeremy Curley. And, Jet, uh, Jeremy, according to the numbers, you got a 68% chance to make the playoffs. I look at your schedule. It's pretty manageable moving forward. You have a lot of great things in place defensively. You're getting some good production on the offensive side of the ball. Ivory, uh, Fitzpatrick, Brandon Marshall playing some big-time football. Is this a Super Bowl-caliber team? I don't want to speak too early, you know. Um, yeah. I definitely think we have. I definitely think we have potential. Um, I mean, that's what we're working for. I don't think nobody that plays in the NFL is working, you know, to go to the Super Bowl and lose, or go to the AFC Championship or NFC Championship and lose. You know, um, we want to be successful. You know, if you're not playing for a championship, then what are you playing for? Definitely, definitely. So. Uh, you're you're not. I mean, a lot of people around the league might be surprised about the Jets start and, and the type of football they're playing. But you're not surprised. Nah, not at all, man. Not at all. Okay. Um, you know, Mike, 
uh, Mike McCagney, you know, he did a great job of, you know, bringing in, you know, key players. So when I seen the team and I, you know, I seen the work ethic of, excuse me, work ethic of the team um, coming into the offseason, mini camp, and going to the training camp, and I kind of knew we had something special. So, uh, you know, our success up to this point is not surprising. Like, we put in the work, you know, we put in the time, the energy, the effort. So, you know, it's all paying off. For sure. Fans, make sure you support this man. Support his clothing line. Support all the great things going on with him. Go to his website, jeremycurley.com. Hit him up on Instagram at jeremy underscore curly11. Also hit him up on Twitter at jeremy underscore 11. Excuse me, jcurly underscore 11. That's on Twitter. And yeah. also hit him up on Facebook, facebook.com, Jeremy Curley, NFL. Support all the great things going on with Jeremy Curley. Jeremy, pleasure, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do it again. Yeah, yeah, anytime, man. Before I get out of here, man, I want to uh, I want to shout out Weird Walter, man. That's uh, Like I said, that's my homeboy's brand, man. So if you get a chance, man, I want everybody to go check that out. Um, they got an Instagram, um, you know, clothing line. It's kind of jumping right now, so y'all get time, man. Check that out. Once again, shout out Will Walter. Uh, feel what you don't understand, man. I appreciate that time, man. All right, take care. All right, man. Jeremy Curley, wide receiver for the New York Jets. Support all the great things going on with Jeremy Curley. I want to thank Chris Harris for the Broncos for stopping by, Jeremy Curley for stopping by, or the Jets and Hall of Famer Willie Rove. You can listen to this show, other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgant where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForGant. For everybody here, go for it. We hope you have a great weekend. See you later. Take care.